We're just talking about a life well-led and it's, uh, dealing with both just um, leading our own selves as well as leading others. And uh, this morning I want to hit on something that Popeye mentioned there. I did not realize Popeye cartoons started back in the 30s. Anybody know that? It was like one of the earliest cartoons. Started in the 30s, uh, went up to the 50s, came back out again in the 80s, uh, and then it's kind of been on and off ever since. And there's that He's got several famous lines in there. Uh, one of them, of course, we just want to show in that clip, and that's whenever e- either some sort of rodent or Bluto, last service I said Pluto, I got, got corrected that Pluto was part of the Disney cartoons and Bluto is his arch nemesis. Uh, whenever it gets to a certain point where he just gets frustrated with it and he's about to take a spinach, one of the lines he always says, you, you saw in there, he says, he says, that's all I can stand and I can't stand it no more. And he gets to the point where he's so fed up, he's going to do something about it. And he, he gets into a rage and then makes a change. And that rage, in part, is why Popeye the Sailor Man is kind of on the outs nowadays. I was reading that both his violence and his smoking of a pipe uh, has basically made it a cartoon we can't watch anymore. Uh, and that's because anytime there's anything that deals with an anger or a rage, we always associate with something that's very bad. Uh, that uh, hating anything is bad. If you were to hate the rodent or even hate Bluto, it would be a very bad thing because uh, after all, uh, in our day and time, we sort of put in the category there are hate crimes, hate speech, and there's a whole group of people we just call haters, right? And all of that is bad. Uh, And if you you watch the Star Wars trilogy, there's, it's not a trilogy anymore, what's a nine-a-gy? Is there anything a nine-a-gy? I don't know. Um, Anyways, uh, uh, the, the Star Wars movies, there's this moment there where uh, Emperor Palpatine is trying to, to woo Anakin to come in and to, he says, um, he says, good, good, let the hate flow through you, give in to the hate. And so when we think about hate, we, we, we don't want to be associated with hate. Uh, it, it can move us down the path from Anakin to becoming Darth Vader, from Anakin to having somebody who's a really bad actor. I don't know, it just, it, it moves you to a place you don't want to be. And so because of that, we, we always associate hate with something that is bad. However, if you read in the scriptures, you'll see that the word hate comes up a lot. And sometimes, interestingly enough, it's God who's doing the hating. Uh, there are things that God hates. Over in Proverbs chapter 6, you see a whole list of them. It says there's six things that God hates, seven that are detestable to him. So there's like, if you get it right, there there's seven things that God absolutely hates. Um, so he starts with hate. He's like, no, beyond hate. This is a, this is a hatred beyond hate. He says, uh, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that, dece- that, dece- that devises wicked schemes, uh, feet that are quick and rushed into doing evil, uh, someone who bears a false witness and pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Uh, these are all things that God hates. And you look at that and you go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Those are things we, we should hate, those kind of things. There's other places in Scripture where you're commanded to hate, almost. Like where God's saying, like, you need to hate this. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, love what is good and hate what is evil, that there should be a hatred in you of what is evil. And so it's not just Palpatine that's saying, you know, give in to the hate. God's sometimes saying, no, no, no. Yeah, it's okay to hate. You should be hating. These are things that you should hate. Um, And the word there for hate is a very strong intensity uh, to abhor, to loathe, to be disgusted with. Uh, It should be to that level of of hatred about evil. You should be absolutely disgusted with it. other places, what you see is that an intense love for something will naturally lead to a hate. Uh, over in Psalm 119, it's this whole long psalm about uh, how much uh, he loves God's word. And he gets in there, he says, I gain understanding from your precepts, and therefore I hate every wrong path. 
Like the more I understand uh, how, how good this is, the more I hate going down a wrong path. He says, because your, your word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. Uh, down in verse 127 of Psalm 119, he says, Because I love your commands more than I love gold, more than pure gold, and because I consider all your precepts as right, because I've realized everything you're saying is right, he says, I hate every wrong path. In other words, once you begin to realize that there is a right way to go and a wrong way to go, once you begin to realize there's a right way to live and a wrong way to live, you get to the point where you, you love doing what is right so much that you hate going down those wrong paths. So your love can lead to a hate. And it makes sense because if you love that which is holy, you're going to hate that which is unholy or impure. If you love the truth, then you hate it when you're being lied to, right? Who hates being lied to, right? The more you love truth, the more you hate being lied to. The, the more that you love integrity, the more you hate things that are deceitful, uh, who, but things that are a con job, things that are misleading. Uh, the more that you love God, the more you will hate that which is evil. Uh, the more, somebody even said last service, I got corrected. He said, said, so the more you love the Redskins, the more you will hate the Cowboys. And then they told me that, no, it's the football team. That, that you love. And then somebody said, yeah, the more you love football, the more you'll hate the Cowboys. I don't know if that's true too, but it might be. I don't know. We'll find out here in a couple of weeks. But the real issue is, and the reason why we, we sort of, like society just blankets everything in this group about, you know, hatred is all bad. The reason is because we have a tendency to love that which we should hate and hate the things that we should love. And we get these things confused. We love what we should hate, and we hate what we should love. And part of the other, you know, and, and what goes also with this is love and hate are very powerful emotions. Uh, they're not neutral emotions. In other words, you don't just feel it and not do something. There is an action that usually flows out of love and hate. Uh, and it's a very powerful emotion that moves people to, to change, to do what they otherwise wouldn't do. And that's why we're so concerned about when somebody hates a group of people, whether it be because of race or belief, because when you hate a group of people based on race or belief, you will oftentimes be motivated to do something about that hatred. It'll, it'll flow out into actions. That's why society's come back and said, hatred is wrong. You should not hate because we see the destructive force and the power and the motivating energy of that hate. But we also know that love is a strong force. And love rarely ever leads somebody to a bad place. So universally, everybody says you should love because love is, can, can motivate somebody to change because it pushes, you, uh, to be, uh, it pushes you to move away from the one thing that's so destructive in life, and that is selfishness. Because love pushes you towards selflessness. It pushes you towards thinking of other people. Love is a, a powerful emotion that can cause teenagers to suddenly care about hygiene because they're motivated out of love. It can cause men to trade in a sports car for a minivan. I've done that. Uh, it, 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 can, it can push you to not care about your body uh, as so much because you love a child all the more. And so you, it pushes you to move uh, what you would do or to change how you would, you would act. I, I know it, it pushed me to change the kind of student I was because I loved what I was learning in seminary so much. I was a lifetime BC student who all of a sudden became a straight A student. Why? Because it, I loved what I was learning so much. It changed my behavior. It changed my motivation. It moved me. There, I remember there was this one time where these guys were walking down the hallway with a basketball in hand. I was like, hey. I didn't even realize there was a gym on campus. I was like, oh, hey, where are you guys going? And they looked at me, and they're like, oh, no, you wouldn't want to come. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no. I'm the nerd. No. <laughs> I didn't realize that could actually happen. Like, like no, no. 
I pretty much spent my entire college life at the gym instead of studying. And now you guys think I wouldn't want to play basketball because you think I study so much. It had, it had so transformed who I was because of my love for it. Or some of you will, will change what you do in your free time because you love learning an instrument. And so you will spend all of this time uh, practicing and practicing and practicing because you love the music or you love uh, where that's leading. You just Love can move you to change and become somebody else. It's a powerful motivator for change and action because it changes how we see ourselves and also how we see others. That's what love does. It, it pushes you to, to look beyond yourselves. It gives you a vision for needs beyond yourself and, and gives you the capacity to meet needs beyond yourself. Love is such a powerful motivator because it changes the way you see yourself in light of other people. And so it can move you to change and, and change the, the worst part of yourself, which is the selfishness in yourself. And so it can move you to being selfless. That's why 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. When you love someone, you'd be willing to lay your life down for somebody else. Now, while love can expand your, your vision and your capacity to see the needs and meet the needs of others, hatred is also a powerful emotion as well that we can't sort of just put aside and say we don't have a use for it because hatred also was, uh, it's an emotion that is designed by God. Hatred doesn't come from Satan. The emotion comes from God. Now, the problem, of course, is when we, when we love the wrong things and we hate the wrong things, right? When we, we move and we shift off of that. Hatred is a powerful emotion that was designed by God. God experienced hatred. God even commands us to experience hatred. Hatred, therefore, is a powerful emotion designed by God to motivate us to take corrective action in the face of injustice or wrongdoing or evil. Now, you should see something that is wrong or unjust or evil, and you should be so motivated by a hatred for what you're seeing to, to bring about positive change. Like when you see somebody being mistreated, your hatred of seeing somebody mistreated should motivate you to take change, not just, oh, that's really bad. You know, indifference, Right? Is, is just as bad as hatred of the wrong thing, right? To be indifferent about something that is unjust or wrong is just as bad as hating the wrong thing, just to, just to stand there and let it all go. Uh, that's why earlier, these things that God hates are things that we ought to hate. Like, should we not hate when somebody has haughty eyes or a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood? Like, so often, uh, we are, the reason why we say hatred is a bad thing is it moves people to do these kind of things. But he's saying hate the kind of things that leading people to do hatred. Now, Love's not a, not, love is not a neutral emotion and neither is hate. We've kind of established that. So hate can move you to take action that you ought to be taking. Now, hatred can move you to a place where it changes the way you see something. Uh, in other words, from, you ever heard somebody say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired? Uh, you need to get to the point where you, 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 you hate the place where you're at. Sometimes we say, well, I hate who I am, or I hate who I've been. Reliant K used to have a great song years ago called Who I Am Hates Who I've Been. And the whole point of it is I look where I'm at right now, and I don't like where I'm at. And I see the place that I'm at, and I'm disgusted with the things I'm doing or the, the things that I'm saying or the person that I've become. And that's not a bad thing. There are sometimes that's a really good and healthy thing. Sometimes we think that self-loathing is a bad thing. No, there are times where you should loathe what you're doing where you should look at this and go, this is not a good place for me to be. I should not be here. I should be frustrated with myself and what it is that, that I'm doing. Until you get to that point where you don't like where you're at, you won't change. 
And so when you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, he talks about these, there's two kinds of sorrow. There's two kinds of frustration or pain or hatred about this. He says, there's godly sorrow that leads to repentance, which leads to salvation and has no regret. But there's also worldly sorrow, which brings death. Now, the word, the word sorrow here is a word that means pain. Uh, it can either be a physical pain or a mental pain. So there's some sort of pain that is brought about. So he says there's a, a worldly mental and physical pain, and there's a godly mental and physical pain that can come out of it. Um, and this is kind of leads to, until the pain of what you're experiencing is greater than the pain of change, you won't change. We know this is a true life. Until the pain of what you're experiencing is greater than the pain of changing, you won't change. With me on this? Because change is painful, right? We don't want to change how we see things. We don't want to change what we're doing. We don't want to change our routine. But until the pain of change uh, is less than the pain that we're experiencing, we won't go down the path of change. Now, uh, I've seen hatred as a motivation in my own life in one particular area. This is like when I was thinking about this topic and this is coming up, uh, this happens all the time for me. Uh, if you've noticed, my weight goes up and down. Don't say you haven't noticed, because uh, y'all notice. Because y'all will come up to me like at a time right now and be like, oh, wow, you're looking good, man. You've been, you've been exercising? And all I hear when you say that is, you were kind of fat a couple months ago. I'm glad you took care of that. <laughs> That's all I ever feel, because nobody ever comments when I'm on the high end. But I have this issue where I, I never want to be over 200 pounds. It's just a personal thing. I just have an issue. I, 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 I hate being out of shape and looking out of shape and all that. I just because I stand up in front of you all every single week and I feel like all these eyes are on me. It just it's a, it's a whole issue, right? So whenever the scale gets up into the 190s, um, I start to get a little nervous. Now I will say, now the problem is, I love to eat. I, I love Oreos. I love Doritos. I love seconds. Oh, seconds are the best, aren't they? Like that's my that's my big issue is going back for seconds. But I really hate being overweight. And when I get to the point when the scale hits anywhere near 200, I don't ever want to be over 200, I will all of a sudden, something will click in me, and I will make a drastic change in my behaviors. Um, I will eat very differently. I will quit snacking between meals. I will not have seconds. It doesn't matter how good it is. I will do portion control. I will start exercising. I'll start running in the morning. I'll start working out at night. I'll do all those things to, to instantly create a change. Why? Because I, I, I hate where I'm at. And because I hate where I'm at, it will instantly lead to a change. And as much as I don't like the change, I found that I don't like being overweight all the more. And so it will instantly lead to a change. And so this is what he's talking about here, though, and which you have to be aware of when he talks about this worldly sorrow versus a godly sorrow. One leads to repentance. The other doesn't. Repentance is where you change how you see something, where you change what you truly love and change what you truly hate. And this is where it gets confusing. What gets confusing about the worldly sorrow versus the godly sorrow is so often in the things that we hate, there is a hidden love, right? So I hate being overweight, but I mentioned before, I have this hidden love though. My hidden love is I love going back for seconds, right? Like who doesn't love seconds? How can I not love going back for seconds? I mean, seconds is what makes the world worth living, right? <laughs> so scripture, eat, drink, and be merry, What's more merry than eating and drinking? More eating and drinking, right? That's, that's, that's the way you double it is go back for seconds. So uh, there's always a hidden love in, in something that you, you hate. Uh, so for instance, you, you might say, well, I, I hate when my kids misbehave. Yeah, but do you love being the cool parent? See, because you love being the cool parent and the lax parent, 
you can't then say you hate the way your kids behave because there's really a, a hidden love there that you actually love more than that thing that you actually say that you hate. Or you might say, I hate where my relationships are. I hate that my relationships are, are always struggling. Yeah, but you see, you always love being right. And it's hard to be in a relationship when you're always right. You're like, well, why? Why, why doesn't everybody love me when I'm right? I think you should love being right, right? Isn't that always a good thing? Mm. Join a small group for that. Um, <laughs> you may hate the addiction, but you love the escape. You see, there's, there's a hidden love here. And you might say, well, I, I, I am, I'm hating the addiction. Yeah, but you see, you, you love the, the ability to sort of escape from life's problems and to run away from it for a little time and just kind of take that breather and take that break. You may hate feeling far from God, but, but you, you also don't love going to small group and you don't love going to church. You don't love doing all the things that's going to lead you into a deeper and closer relationship with God. See, there's, there's a hidden love there. You, you say, I, I, I love having my evenings to myself. I just want a night off, right? Well, then you can't also come back and say, well, you hate how you feel far from God because there's really a hidden love snuck underneath there. Uh, this worldly sorrow is all this idea of, I hate that I got caught, but I don't hate the behavior that led there. I hate that this damaged my reputation, but I don't hate the thing that I was doing that caused the damaged reputation. Um, uh, you may hate the result, but until you hate the thing that led to the result, you will never change. Did you get that? That's the key thing of this morning. You may hate the result, but until you hate the thing that's causing the result, you will not change. And this is why it's so difficult uh, when it comes to this hate as a motivator. Because so often we'll say, well, I hate where I'm at, and I hate what I'm doing, and I hate what I'm experiencing. That is worldly sorrow. You are experiencing the pain of the consequence of your actions, but you're not able to connect the consequence of your actions to the actual action. And until you move and shift it just one degree over from I hate the addiction to I hate the escape, I need to live at present in the reality, until you can get to the point where, where you say, I hate the internet. Why would you hate the internet? Because it's, it's, it's destroying my intimacy and my relationships. That's why I hate the internet, because it was the action. It's, it's, it's something that is, is causing this. There are, there are people you've even heard say, I hate alcohol. Well, why? Because they've, they've finally connected alcohol with the impact and the effect that it's had on their family and what it's either done to their own family or the family they came out of. That's the reason why my dad was never around, somebody might say. Why? Because of alcohol. And so therefore, they, they hate alcohol because they see the cause of the action is what led to the result of the action. Repentance happens when you can connect the cause with the effect. With the hatred of the effect is transferred over to the cause of that effect. You follow me on this? To the point where you can say, I hate getting seconds. That's a hard thing. That's, that doesn't even make any sense, right? Like somebody's like, hey, you want some more? No, 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 no. I hate having more. Like, how weird is that, right? But that's what repentance is. Repentance is changing the way you see about that. Like, you might say, I hate being broke, but I really love having a credit card and buying things on Amazon. Like, who doesn't love coming home to an Amazon package, right? But could you actually get to the point where you say, I hate Amazon? Now, some of you are like, well, I hate Jeff Bezos because he has all that money. No, no. Can you get to the point? Can you get to the point where you say, I hate the cause. I hate being right all the time. Some of you say that just in jest, right? But when you realize it's damaging your relationships, this need to be always be right, it will change the way you see about that. Or sometimes you can just, I don't know, let it go, right? Just, just let it go. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Does it really matter which city is closer? 
Does it really matter you know, whether Emporia is closer than Richmond? I don't know. Does it really matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. Let's just go. Let's just enjoy the drive together, okay, without arguing over which is going to save us five minutes, okay? Can we just enjoy that? But it's so hard to see the cause differently and to hate the cause and to connect it to the effect because it seems ridiculous to hate the cause, just like hating second seems ridiculous. But it's that cause that's leading to the problem of the effect. And so when you begin to move to a place where you can hate that which you're supposed to hate and love that which you're supposed to love, that is what repentance is. True repentance is where you place those things in the right order. But it's so hard because it doesn't make sense on the front end unless you can put together the cause and effect. Now, also what's really difficult is there are things that I hate that I love the result. See, this works in the reverse too, which messes me up. Like, I hate working out, but I love the result. Even crazier is this. I have already figured out from cause and effect that if I go running in the morning, first thing in the day, I will have more energy the rest of the day. That doesn't make any intuitive sense, right? And so what will happen in the moment, I'll look at the running shoes, when I know I've got a lot of stuff i got to get done in a week, like if I've got a really, really busy week, especially if I'm doing like a lot of physical labor type stuff, um, like camp's coming up. What should I do every morning at camp? I should wake up and go running so I have the energy to keep up with all these young kids all week, right? That's what I should do. But there'll be a piece of me that goes, no, man, if you run, you're going to be tired. Think how tired you're going to be after running. Don't go run. That's where the problem comes in. Because I know from experience, if I run in the morning, it gives you like this really weird, like super energy the rest of the day, like boost your motility. I don't know what it does in your body. Some of y'all can tell me exercise physiology people. I don't know. I don't really don't want to hear it though. Um, I, <laughs> it will give you a sense of energy. Like I hate cleaning. But I love living in a clean house. I hate organizing my garage, but man, I love it when my garage is organized. You with me on this? I mean, so many things I hate, but I love the result. I hate getting up early, but I really love getting all my stuff done and having the afternoon free. I really love it when, it's, when I look at the clock, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's only, it's only lunchtime? Wow, I'm like done for the day. This is crazy. Well, yeah, if you get up at you know extra hour or two earlier, it's like you have extra time in the day. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, I love taking naps, but I can't take naps unless I wake up early and get stuff done. With me on this? I hate discipline, but I love the results of discipline. I hate when other people come in to discipline me. And everybody needs somebody to come in and discipline me. That's why I, I, it's wrong to say I hate a person, but April does a lot of my discipline for me. (laughs) I don't want to say I hate April. I just, I hate getting her texts sometimes. I hate her reminders. I just want to say, back off, I'll get it done, right? You with me on this? But I love the fact that she keeps me on task. And I have a, I have a problem with this, this love-hate issue because I, I, I have a hard time connecting cause and effect. And because I can't connect cause and effect, I can't rightly hate what I need to hate and love what I need to love. You follow me on this? Because of the disconnection here. And until you get to the place, repentance is where you change the way you're seeing things. You change the way that you see life. You change loving what you love and hating what you hate. You get to the point where you love those things that you once hated and you hate those things that you once loved. That's, that's repentance. Is where you begin to see things differently. You change what you see. And, and what has to happen is you have to see the cause and the effect. You have to see where things lead. You have to see where it goes. Now, what are things that you can do? Now, let me back up, let me back up. You've got to put this down. 
you can't live, leave this in your mind. Like right now, some of you, as we've been talking, some things have popped in your head. Some cause and effect have popped in your head. You have to go back and actually spend some time writing down a list of the things because this gets confusing. Because this isn't intuitive. You need to go back and write down, what are things that I love? And what are the things that cause those things that I love? Like, what are the results that I love? Begin to list them out. What are the things that cause those results? You're not going to like what's on that list. That's part of repentance. At the same time, write down some consequences that you're experiencing, some results that you're experiencing. You say, these are things I don't love. These are things I don't want to see happening in my life. These are things, as a matter of fact, I hate about my life. These are things I hate that I'm doing. These are things I hate that I'm experiencing. And go back and say, what's causing these things? The very things that may be causing them are maybe things that you like doing. As a matter of fact, I know there are things you like doing. That's why you keep doing them, whether or not you want to admit that you like doing them or not. You like doing them. You need to be able to write that stuff down so you can begin to make a plan to say, okay, I need to change the way I see these things. So one of the things you need to do is to list out the cause and effect uh, and to hate what you need to hate and love what you need to love and put those in the proper order. Uh, other things to do is, what is it that I can love more to get me to hate the things I should hate? Follow that? What is it that I can love more? Because we, we said earlier, the psalmist, look, he says, the more I read your word and the more I see it, the more I love your word, the more I naturally hate that which is wrong. You will have a natural hate when you have the right love. You follow me on that? You will have a natural hate when you love what you should love. And so when he says, I love your word, the more I love your word, the more I hate that which is evil, the more I hate going down the wrong path. So you might say, well, you know, I looked over here and there's these things and I'm really struggling to hate the things I need to hate. Well, if you loved the right things more, it will naturally lead to a hate for the things that you need to hate. Now, here's the thing. If you're getting lost in what I'm saying, it's because you haven't put anything in concrete. Begin to write these things out and it'll begin to make more sense. How is it that you're going to love God's word more? Well, you got to do something that I'm sure you hate doing. I know you hate doing it. I know because of the numbers. You hate going to small group. A lot of you do. You just hate going to small group. You, you hate the time that it takes. You hate you know, making the schedule for it because you think to yourself, oh, it'd be so nice just to have a free Tuesday. I mean, who has a free night anyway? There are even seasons where I get to the end of my small group season, I'm like, oh, I love that I have my Monday nights now. I can just go home and do nothing. And sometimes I even loathe small groups starting back up. But here's the thing. I love the result of it. I love the experience of it. Here's a side note. I hate taking my kids to youth group. Sorry, man. I just do. You know I do. What do I love doing on Sunday afternoons? Watching football and napping. Well, my kids even back there sleep. Yeah, like, they have to wake me up to get me to take them to youth group because they don't just come to youth group at six. They all always want to come here like at five or at four. So I don't know what the heck they're coming here for. And there's a piece of me that wants to like say like, oh, no, I don't want to take. I don't want to take them. But here's the thing. I love the results. I, I love the fact that they have a healthy peer group and I love what they're learning and I love what they're getting out of it. And so I've got to put this connection together of saying, I love waking up and getting up from my nap and taking them in. Why? Because I love the result. I have a hard time putting that stuff together. And you've got to get to the point where you will do things and cultivate things in your life that will cause both you and those around you to love what you should love, which will naturally lead to a hate for what you should hate. Like, you ever had those moments where like, I want my kids to hate, and you have a list of things you want them to hate. Well, are you doing things to cultivate loves in their life that will lead to hating that? In your own life, are you doing things to cultivate a love for God, a love for your spouse, a love for the things you should love that will lead you to hate the things that you should hate? 
you can't just go out and say, well, I'm going to hate porn. It, it doesn't work that way. You've got to get to the point where you love your spouse enough and you love intimacy enough and you love uh, the closest enough that you look at that and say, why would, I ever why would I ever trade something that's cheap and fake for that which is real? And you begin to see it in a different way because of what you love. It changes what it is that you hate. And so he says, here's what godly sorrow does. Here's what it produces in you. When you get to the point where you see the cause and effect rightly, and you see that this is causing this, and I don't want to be here, this godly sorrow where, the, where you really begin to see where the source of pain is and what the cause of pain is, he says, here's what it causes in you. He says, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. I'm over in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11, by the way. He says, at every point, you've proved yourself innocent in this matter. Notice what he's saying here is there's a love that comes out of repentance. And all these words are passionate love words, uh, earnestness, eagerness, longing, concern, readiness. Those are all passionate words that are moving you. Love moves you to action. It moves you to an earnestness, an eagerness, a longing, a desire, a want to. But he also says in here, it leads you to a hatred or a frustration with something. He says, what indignation, what alarm. That word alarm is a good one, isn't it? When you put together the cause and effect correctly, there's an alarm bell that goes off. That's what happens when repentance happens. Repentance is the alarm bell. Repentance is the alarm bell that's putting together the cause and effect. In a moment, you're saying, I don't want to go running. There should be an alarm that goes off that says, hey, 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 moron. If you don't, you're going to feel tired later today, and you're going to have an issue with that scale later on. I don't want to go to small group. Hey, moron, if you don't, you're going to continue to have problems in your marriage. Go. You see, there should be an alarm there. But the thing is, we're a culture that loves the snooze button, Right? Some of you, just to get here this morning, set your alarm an hour early just so you could hope to get up on time. The thing about the snooze button is it deadens you to the point where you don't hear the alarm anymore. And that's what we do. We, we hear that voice that gives us the alarm and says, you need to do this. You need to go there. You need to read. You need to be in God's word. You need to be listening to worship music right now. And we smack the alarm button and say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next semester. And so we snooze and we snooze and we snooze when God moves us with this alarm. If you snooze on the alarm, it short circuits the process of repentance. Because the alarm is what's telling you, hey, this is something you should hate. This is something you should love. Move, do something different right now. And then he says, what alarm, what indignation, where you see the cause of your sin so differently with an indignation. I can't stand this. I loathe this. I don't want anything to do with this. He says, when you've moved to the place of repentance, when the pain of what you've experienced moves you to see things differently, there'll be an alarm that goes off and there'll be an indignation for it. And there'll be such readiness and such eagerness and such earnestness to do something different in that moment. So, question to ask you. What is it about yourself that you say, this is what I hate? What's causing that? What is it that you are love doing that's leading to something that you hate the result of? And this could be in your personal life, in your spiritual life, in your relational life. What is it that you, whether you want to admit it or not, must love doing because you keep doing it that's leading to the result that you hate? That's the focus of your repentance. That's the focus of place where saying, God, help me put these two things together and see things differently. Help me hate the cause as much as I hate the result. May an alarm bell go off in me and have such godly righteousness and repentance that I've really come to the place where I change the way I see this on the front end, not just what I see on the back end. And may the things that I 
sometimes hate doing. May there be an alarm bell that goes off in my mind that says, no, 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 I need to love that because I love where that's leading. What are the things you hate that you should love, and what are the things that you love that you should hate? We join with me as we close our time in prayer. Father, this is such a struggle for each and every one of us, even to the point where Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, says, I just keep doing what I don't want to be doing. There's this powerful force within us. And Father, it's all the more powerful, Father, when we live our life in ignorance, not putting together our cause and effect of what we're doing, what we're thinking, how how our behavior leads to our results. Father, every one of us in this room has a list that we immediately come to mind of the things that we don't like to experience, the things we don't like to be doing. Father, help us put together the cause and effect and just to write it out. Move us, Father, with a love for your word so much that it helps us see differently, that the alarm bells would go off and move us towards an indignation, a hatred towards what is evil or wrong and a passionate love for that which is good. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.